Welcome to Raising Up Cops, a podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture. I'm here, I'm Madonna, and I am with my lovely co-host, Laura, and we have a special guest today, which I'm going to let Laura introduce. Hi, everybody. Today, we have joining us my baby sister. If you don't know, I have a lot of sisters. This is the youngest of the sisters, and she is actually in her last semester of college, um, welcome, Teresa, to Raising Up Cops. Thank you. I'm really honored I get to be here. So we asked Teresa to come because I was on my usual phone call with her in the afternoon and cooking dinner for the family. And she told me about something that happened in one of her classes. It's a really cool class. So maybe, Teresa, give us some background on what the class is, like the context for the topic that came up. And then um, something kind of awkward or mm, offensive I don't know I don't want to like overreact but like Madonna hasn't heard the story I wanted her to hear it fresh so um Teresa why don't you tell our audience and Madonna like what happened <laughs> yesterday and what the class is that you're in okay wait okay, wait so-, so wait so Laura already knows this whole story yes okay oh my gosh and so this is like we're doing a blind react guys I this makes me very nervous because sometimes I I talk without thinking so let's see what happens (laughs) okay go ahead so this class is super cool it's called rituals in ancient greece basically we're just talking about all the different like habitual actions that people go through in ancient greece specifically right now we're talking about rites of passage okay so there are lots of rites of passage for girls and boys in ancient greece but yesterday was our seminar class And so our professor asked us if we could bring in um, a paper. She didn't ask us to turn it in, but we had it so we we would have all the information in front of us about a rite of passage that we have been through. So I thought I haven't really been through that many rites of passage in my life. I didn't go to prom. I didn't, you know, like I didn't, I didn't do like the traditional American stuff, but I did go through um, baptism, Meirun, and communion, which I feel like is the biggest rite of passage I'm ever going to go through, so I might as well talk about it. Anyway, so we get to the class, and the first people who start talking are Catholic, and they're all talking about confirmation, which I think is the same as Meirun, just the Catholic version. It just happens much later, I think. Like, they do it older, like 11 or something, or 10. Yeah, they were all talking about how they did it like ninth grade kind of thing. And so they're all talking about confirmation and there's like three of them who all decided to write about confirmation and they're going back and forth. And then my professor asks if anybody has anything else. And so I was like, this is the perfect time for me to like just jump in because like it's not really like that different. It's just a different time. So I, I jump in and I'm like, well, I just want to add on. Like, I also did mine on, um, I think it's confirmation. I told them, I was like, I don't think I've ever said that word in English before. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Um, and so I was talking about how, you know, we we go through the baptism and, and she asked a lot of questions. So one of the questions she asks is, do you keep any mementos? Um, to like say that you went through this rite of passage. And I said, oh, well, you know, you get like a certificate and in some families it's really important because you need it sometimes to to get married in the church. And I was so excited because she said, oh yeah, we have that too. 
and she's Serbian Orthodox. I was like, whoa. (laughs) But all this to say, I was talking about it. And one of the other questions she asked was, is there a, what is the, the, the time of separation? So every rite of passage, according to this guy named Van Ganef, is split into three parts. And this is any rite of passage anywhere in the world. It's the preliminal or the right, like the rite of separation, and then liminality or the liminal ritual. So the ritual itself, and then the post-liminal or reintegration. So we had to go through each of these things. So for separation or preliminary, I was talking about how um, the child is not allowed to take communion um, or the convert is not allowed to take communion. For, for a child, it's 40 days for boys, 80 days for girls. And then of course we talked about the ritual itself. So the baptism, the maidun, and then reintegration is communion. Hmm. So my professor is very intrigued about the separation she's like why why is it that it's 40 days versus 80 days and I'll be honest I didn't really know I couldn't really remember I wasn't about to make a guess so I just said I really don't know and we moved on we started talking about sorority fraternity like um (laughs) rituals and hazing and all this stuff and then this girl in the corner of the class raises her hand and she's like, oh, I don't have anything about sorority fraternity stuff, but I did look it up, um, like why it's 80 days versus 40 days. If she had just read what Google said, I don't think I would have cared. I don't think I would have cared. But instead of just reading what Google said, she immediately went, uh, well, you know, it's sexism, which garnered a laugh from quite a few people um, and then proceeded to explain why it is that it's 40 days versus 80. And I could see. Wait, what's the reason like, she read? What's the reason she read? Oh, the reason she read, which which I, I, I think is correct, is that um, she it was like. Well, I don't know if it's correct, but this is the reason she read. She read that um, it's like, oh, I'm trying to remember. It's because a woman, it's about the mother, and a woman is considered unclean for 40 days for a boy, and it's double time for a girl because it's a reminder of um, how Eve was the first woman to fall. And I just like sat there and I, at first, I, I, I mean, my immediate reaction was, oh, and like, I chuckled a little. And I just like, I, all the, okay. So my dad says something all the time and I just like immediately thought about it. And I was just thinking, everybody gets what they deserve. Like, <laughs> like I was so, I was just like, you picked, on the Egyptian who has no one in this class to back her up, who like the Catholics, nobody picked on the Catholics. There were like at least three Catholics in that room. Who's gonna pick on the Catholics? They're all like, su- like supremely white, like they're, and no, 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 no. And then to make it so, 
I don't know, so charged. I feel like it wouldn't have been as charged if she hadn't said that first statement. And so this was just the the fun wokeness that that wasn't <laughs> so woke in my favor this time. Okay, so I'm going to give the girl a little bit of a pass. And the reason that I'm going to give her a little bit of a pass is because we've had this conversation in our church with Coptic people who had the same exact sentiment towards this rule in in terms of baptism being different for girls and boys. And, and, and if we're honest, it is purely based on their gender. It is purely based on gender. There's no, um, there's nothing that the baby obviously did that warranted it except for being born a boy or a girl. Right. So in that case, I can see why she would take it that way, especially with no background, no understanding, and no personal connection to the Coptic church. And she probably sees it as oppressive. Do you think that that's the, what she was getting at? I don't think that's my problem. I, <laughs> at least I don't think, I, I think my problem was it othered me. It, it made me feel like an other. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it was just like, like, we talk about, and I do, like, I don't want to say I agree, but it is just, like you said, it is different simply because of the gender. So in that way, in the in the basic definition of sexism, sure. But to begin talking about a culture you know nothing about, mm. especially in this new age where everybody claims to be so accepting, to talk about a culture you know nothing about and immediately, like, take this one thing and and I feel like why did she look it up like I she must have had an inkling of suspicion like I I just don't feel like it was I I don't feel like it was purely academic I I didn't feel that way right maybe I'm wrong I know I totally get it I'm sure that you felt singled out and I'm sure it felt like she was minimizing your whole identity into this one word, which is very politically charged and just not nice to say that your your thing, one of your core beliefs, which is about baptism, is sexist. That's very offensive. I mean, we're going to be honest. That's super offensive. So, Laura, I'm curious, what did you say when she told you this? So my thinking was <clears throat> what she was saying about that she started with a frame. She didn't go look up this fact um to learn something she went to look up this fact because to confirm her existing bias against a middle eastern culture so she is not looking for she's she's not looking to learn something she's looking to air um stereotypical grievances Mm -hmm. and you know we can bring on like an expert to really talk about why but one of the things I was telling Teresa is like so this is a class to learn about ritual I'm sure she's not in there mocking the Greek uh insane Mm. rituals that they're talking about every day I mean like the whole class is based on a respectful study of multiple rituals right like that's kind of the basis of the class so um and there's no doubt that in the ancient greek culture there would have been the same kind of differences between what m- rites of passage men go through versus women so i feel like in that regard it was kind of an unusual decision for her to make mm. and then <clears throat> the other thing i was telling teresa is like 
one of the reasons that we do this is because it's based in an Old Testament uh, guideline. And so we're not talking about something that's Christian or 2000 or Middle Eastern or whatever. We're talking about something that is as old as Judaism, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is like Moses era, like um, rites of passage that's being discussed. So for her to dismiss all of it by introducing it to the class with this frame that it's sexist before even reading it. So it's not like she read it out loud. And then she commented, she read her headline headline news, breaking news, right? Look, Middle Eastern people are sexist. And then (laughs) coming down with her, um, with her, you know, her interpretation or the the answer that she felt fit her perspective. But the other thing that Teresa and I were talking about is that actually, the whole reason that it's 40 versus 80 is related to the, the power of of women to touch life and death like that we mm. are so closely connected to the creation of life you know right. which is the other side of the coin of death so let me ask you this teresa if you had the foreknowledge that she was going to do this or say this what would have been your perfect response in that moment what would you have liked to have been able to say to her or I'll to the class yeah i Okay, I, I always, anytime it's time for me to talk about being Egyptian or being Coptic, I am always like super anxious. So even Mm. this time, I like was super anxious to even bring up baptism made on communion. It's like this, oh, it's a completely physical experience. I can feel my face heat up before I even say anything before I even raise my hand to say it. So I knew, like, I've decided that anytime I'm feeling this anxiety, this rush of emotions, this like intense feeling, it's God calling me to say it. Like it's either God calling me to say it or it's Satan scaring me into not saying. Mm. So in this moment, of course I knew some like, it's always a possibility. It's always a possibility. You're a minority, but not only are you a minority, you're a Christian minority, which I know a lot of people like to say, oh, that's not really a big deal, but it is a big deal. And it it makes you nervous because of things like this. I I knew this was a possibility. Honestly, I don't think I would have changed anything about my reaction. Mm. All I said was, oh, chuckled a little. And I literally felt myself stand, like, sit up a little straight. Like, I I don't think anything I could have said would have made it better. Hmm. What could I have said? It, it, what she said is, by definition of the word sexism, true. It is different for men and women. She didn't say anything wrong. And for me to react in any other way than I did would have made it a bigger deal. Hmm. And I think would have diminished kind of the, like, the power I held in that moment, because I did, I don't know if I already said this, but I did see people looking to see my reaction. I don't know if they were looking in sympathy. I don't know if they were looking to catch me. I don't know what they were looking for, but I did catch people looking. And so I feel like this calmness, just if, I feel like that's what God gave me to say in that moment was nothing. And I think that was perfectly fine. 
Yeah, no, totally. I, I totally, I love that perspective that the calmness and the lack of defensiveness probably diffused what could have been a much more ridiculous situation. And your defensiveness might have even cemented the idea that it was um, a sexist thing. It might have even given her like, oh, look, she's so nervous that I you know, called her out or whatever. So I totally get that perspective. What I got out of the story, Teresa, to be honest, too, is my own reactions to people's rituals that are different than mine. And I, I know that for me, I know what's normal to me. I know what to me is make makes sense because this is what's what I'm used to, what I grew up with, what whatever. And when some, somebody tells me something that they do that's very different than that, I tend to, I won't say I go on the attack because I'm not an attacker, but I will, my brain will go on attack though. My mind is like, that's, that's dumb or like that doesn't make any sense or whatever it'll be. So, I mean, that's not a good thing, right? So I'll give you an example. We had a, I think I mentioned it on this podcast, but I'm not entirely sure. We have a Mormon temple here in DC that is like world famous amongst Mormons. And it is this gigantic, beautiful Disney World style white castle structure and that you see it from the highway. It's huge. Okay. And it is this giant mystery because it's always close to the public. Well, they renovated it recently and they decided to open it as a grand reopening for people to come like cycle through and see the Mormon temple. And so Danny was like, dude, we got to go see this thing. And I was like, I'm really not interested. I could care less. And he's like, let's just go. Like, we're going to miss this opportunity because they're going to close it. We'll never knew, know again what goes on in there. I was like, okay, fine. So we went to the Mormon temple. They gave us a little pamphlet before walking in and their views on heaven, their views on family, their views on whatever, which a lot of it was so bizarre compared to what I know about all of these things. We walk in and one of the first things they show us is this closet full of white gowns, okay? Because everyone there is required as soon as they walk in to change from their outside clothes into white gowns and everybody, the congregation, everybody wears white. Uh, symbolism of heaven, I'm not sure. And let me tell you, my brain was like, that's so strange. This looks like a cult. This is so weird. Why would they do that? I, and I was talking to Danny and I was like, this just looks scary, like a whole thing. Like it looks sterile. Like it just looked so weird. And then after a while, after many, many, many minutes of me, like just dissecting and like pulverizing their faith, I was like, wait a second, don't all of our deacons come in and dress into white and do all of these things? And don't we have closets of these deacon dresses, Donia's just hanging up? I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> So needless to say, I think it's in our nature to jump into things being so weird. And so we need to be careful about how we react to other people's things, even if our conclusion is still the same. We need to be careful about how we approach people. And Laura, you commented on the post that I shared today on my on my Instagram when um, St. Shinuda Press, they shared this really great um caption about how the Pharisees were so outwardly obedient and so outwardly like on on board with everything that you know the, the laws and whatever but truthfully their true their knowledge of the truth did not save them for from their hearts being unkind or not good and being bitter and and jealous and not not good people in, in general 
And I think that's where we, that's the lesson that we need to take away from this. I think that that is as much as I want to tell that girl, like you can't just reduce somebody's beliefs into something like that. Um, I totally get why she felt like that, but we need to be careful with our own reactions and the way that we talk to one another. And I think also it, it, there is a philosophical background of like, how do you think about um, other people of other faiths? And I think that there is like, there are two ways of looking at the same situation. One is to see them as people who have strayed from the truth and need to be like clawed back, you know, towards the truth. And the other is to see them as seeking the truth and then, and that we're embracing them and bringing them into the truth. So I always think about poor Akhenaten with his one true God and how, you know, he couldn't convert an entire nation of Egyptians to believe in, to believe in, you know, in monotheism, right? Um, it, it like didn't go well for him, but that that concept of the one true God stuck around until St. Mark came and preached. And now, you know, we have two different faiths, but all the faiths in Egypt right now are monotheistic. So <laughs> it seems like, you know, this idea that I prefer the idea that everyone is seeking the truth and that we can bring them closer to us and closer to the truth than the idea that they are all splinter groups of, you know, heretics, you know? Um, but I think the thing that I really wanted us to take away from Teresa's story is that when we are attacked for something in our faith or when we feel attacked for something in our faith, and this is something that we need to teach our children as well, that speaking the truth in a calm way is much better than being defensive, being um, hateful, being critical of the other person, you know, like, um, like we could have become a thing, right? We, we could have been in this classroom, become like a <laughs> battle royale. And, and I think this idea that we just like step back and let God decide whether we're going to say anything and how much we're going to say, and we keep ourselves calm is so important, especially because our kids are going to see a lot of pushback and I don't want them feeling like they have to argue a point, a point maybe they're not prepared for in every situation. Teresa, I think you, you had some more to say on this issue. Yeah. I just wanted to say, um, I, I used to work for, um, for a Baptist church and, and I, I heard something in a sermon that the pastor said once, um, and I, I kind of carried it with me because I really like it. And he basically was just, he was talking about, um, Christians and like everybody else. And he was saying like, we're not better. We're just forgiven. So like, it doesn't, how great our beliefs are. That's not, that's not the full like picture. That's not like what makes us great in God's eyes what makes us great in God's eyes is because we chose him and he forgives us for doubting him because it's not like we all have the same reaction to God's commandments whether we're in the church or not like I I mean I also like we said we've established this like three times now by the definition of sexism it is sexism and like you were saying Madonna we look at other cultures this way and I've come to realize that like this is just how it is. And, and I'm okay with that, I think. There's, there's so many, there, oh my goodness, there have been so many times where 
my faith gets challenged and looking at the different ways I've reacted to it throughout the years is kind of eye-opening. I feel like the closer I get to God, the less I care. What Ooh, I want to like snap on that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good one. The more that you work on yourself and your relationship with God, the less all the noise matters, the less that all the other stuff really penetrates your soul or, or challenges you like they want it to challenge you. I love that, Teresa. That, I think that is a great takeaway message for our podcast today. And I just want to encourage all of our listeners. We want to encourage all of our listeners that there are going to come times when your faith is directly challenged or minimized or belittled or whatever it is. And I think that our reaction and our calmness and letting the Holy Spirit do its work instead of us jumping to defensiveness will speak louder than if we were to stand on you know, the pulpit or stand on the sidewalk and start chanting truths at everybody. You know, it's not that it's it's minimizing our truth. It's just that we are letting God do his job and our calmness will help to exemplify that we are merely just here doing our work to to figure our relationship, sorry, to work on our relationship with Christ. And that's it. So all that to say, Teresa, that was awesome. And I applaud you for staying so calm because I'm not sure I would have done that. But thank you for sharing that story with us. And thank you, Lara, for bringing it to our attention too. Yeah. And for all of our listeners, we want to make sure that you're heard as well. So remember, you can reach out to us at raisingupcops at gmail.com or on Instagram. We put our um, our tags. Is that what they're called anymore? Handles? What What is the new thing you call? <laughs> that is a great question. I don't remember. Just but, find our at. <laughs> yeah, our at. <laughs> at Coptic Laura, at Madonna underscore rights, and at, well, I'll ask Teresa which one she wants to share after, and we'll put it, <laughs> we'll put it in the comments. Um, then I think that's it for us this week. Thank you all so much. See you next time. Just kidding, guys. We have a postscript. <laughs> Okay, I was gonna tell I was going I was trying to tell Teresa and Laura, I think in that moment, I would have spoken up, I would have said something probably not nice. And then they were like, No, there's nothing to say. And then I remembered that I actually would not have said anything because this happened to me in college when I was talking to this guy and he found out I was ultra orthodox. And he in turn shared that he is ultra atheist. And so he invited me to one of his atheist meetings okay so just like we had our coptic orthodox young adult meetings they had their atheist young adult meetings and so i was like in my wanting to be what's the word like accepting and tolerant self i said yeah of course i'll go i'd love to hear what they say and i went to this meeting and the first thing that the leader of this meeting does is he's this long okay the irony of it is this guy looks like the way that American people depict Jesus, the long, <laughs> the long brown hair and the blue eyes. And like, I mean, anyways, so he pulls out the Bible and he starts to read from one of the gospels. And he is like, in the beginning, there was like, and then he goes, just kidding. And he closes it and he chucks the Bible across the room at the wall. Let me tell you, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like mortified, horrified. Basically, you guys can't see Teresa and Laura's face right now, but they are in absolute 
awe <laughs> of this. Okay. Shock. Shock. Yes. Shock. I mean, <laughs> shock and like very, very distressed by this. Yes. I too was very distressed. And I look over at my friend. I still remember his first and last name very well. And I look over at him and he just looks at me and he like kind of smiles. And I was like, uh, and I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't move because I looked around me and I was in a room full of atheists who their first, um, you know, order of business was to chuck the Bible across the wall. I did not think that anything I was going to say was going to really undo that or help that in any way. It was a very, it seemed like a very hostile environment and I didn't feel like I could say anything. But the difference is that I noticed, Teresa, is that you are very um, calm and you are very certain of your decision. Let me tell you that I walked out of there and I beat myself up for months over that. I beat myself up for not speaking up and not grabbing that Bible and kissing it and walking out with it. I got very upset at all the things that I should have done and could have done, would have done. But in that moment, I totally didn't do anything. And I regret it to this day <laughs> for not saying it. So maybe that's why my reaction to you was like, you could have said something, but no, you couldn't have. You really couldn't have. I get it. Well, you know, I think this goes back to that other point you were making, Madonna, that my God, what a terrible way to earn converts. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> like, let me completely dismiss your beliefs, your existing beliefs, so that I can then show you how great I am. And why the Bible? There's a thousand holy books out there. Yes, Teresa, what? <laughs> she has both hands. Teresa's raising guys. both hands. <laughs> I just, okay. So I'm taking another class that's like kind of heavily in rituals. It, as soon as I say the name, it's just like a class you'll laugh at. It's Dracula. And so um, <laughs> so we were talking, we, we talk a lot about like the origin of, of vampires. And so one of the things my professor talks about a lot is the difference between Western Christianity and um, Eastern Christianity. And so related to what we were just talking about, a lot of, he was saying that like a lot of things in Eastern Christianity go back to how they treated their like pagan religions. And so like, it like paganism in the East has always been very spiritual, very like God is up here and we are down here. Mm. It's like no questioning of what God does kind of thing. We don't do that. We just see it as sacred and it is sacred. And therefore we always will treat it as such. And I don't remember where this was going, but I just thought it was cool because it applied to one of my classes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's key. Okay. Because I, I know we're going a little bit like sidetracked. Okay. But like Christianity did not take hold in Japan when the first missionaries went. And part of it was that they were so dismissive of Japanese um, rituals that mm. were in place. So they couldn't, they, they wouldn't even um, uh, like, make Japanese priests like they, they were like no 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 like you know yeah blah, blah, blah. whereas in China actually there was a little if I'm remembering correctly from world history in China they were a little more accepting of some of the Chinese rituals and I see this a lot actually when I'm having conversations with people about Coptic orthodoxy being carried throughout the world that mm -hmm. they're like well why would we let them keep doing x I'm like you do understand that we are constantly praising ourselves for keeping pharaonic hymn tune yes do you yes. understand that do you get that it's amen amen, amen. 
<laughs> yes. This is a trigger point for me too, by the way. Okay, tell talk- me tell me what you've got. <laughs> no, I mean, this is a trigger point for me because of that exact thing that you said. The people that get really upset at when like you see the posts of the churches in, in Zambia and they're they're dancing and they're singing and they're and they're very joyful and whatever, you've got to both sides of the coin that some people are like, wow, this is so beautiful. And then some people are like, we would never allow that. Why are why are we allowing them to do that there? We're like we can't disconnect people from who they are. And as a matter of fact, I feel, and I'm, I'm no theologian. Let me just put that out there. I really feel like God really embraces how we worship in these different ways. I think that that's his, I think that was part of the goal when he spread the disciples around because he knew that different people needed different things. And he, and St. Paul even says that, you know, to the Jews, I'm a Jew to the Greek. I'm a Greek. That makes sense. I can't walk into an Asian person's home, for example, with a muddy shoe and walk through their house when I know that in their house, I have to take my shoe off before I walk in. I, I didn't mean to call out the Asians because even in in my house, like don't come in with, with your shoes on. <laughs> in the monasteries. In Egypt, yes. They take yes. Shoes. Like, exactly. we like we're so different. <laughs> no, exactly. You should you should respect where their starting point is and and not belittle it and not diminish it like we like to do in our heads which I admit earlier that I did myself but and it's it's funny because um for the Slavs one of the the things so one of their gods is like the god of the sun I don't really remember his name I probably need to study more but um (laughs) the, the Christians came in and they were like you can't you can't do that and they were like well why not like it's the god of the sun like you they were like you can't worship the god of the sun next to god like you can't do that and so they were like well do you have like an equivalent and so my professor i don't know if this is true but my professor was like and so they introduced archangel michael and they were like does archangel michael have a flaming sword and the christians were like sure yeah. <laughs> so then archangel michael became like a, a big deal in slavic countries because he was the replacement for the the god of the sun kind of thing wow all right so yeah (laughs) that was (laughs) all i'm saying i'm having lots of thoughts buzzing around my head right now about all the ways that i would like to take this and all the ways it went and all the things i want to teach my kids and not teach my kids and there's so many places this could go but i guess back to the original point right which is we need to respect without help me fill in the words here without prejudice without prejudging there you go yeah and I think okay the other thing I'm gonna say sorry that I forgot to say about like the Teresa situation is she could have told the story about the baptism and just kind of like glossed over the 40 and 80 days and Mm. she chose not to do that she chose not to like deliberately deceive or lie or hide the truth of her faith And Mm. I think sometimes we think speaking the truth is um, being pushy about things. And sometimes it literally is just speaking the truth. (laughs) Right, right. These are facts. So she did. She gave the facts. And so I think us also need to be listening to other people without prejudice and Mm. responding in, again, a calm, non-defensive way. Okay. So on that note, this is the real ending <laughs> to our Raising Up Cops podcast. 
Teresa, thank you for giving us a lot to think about and sharing your experience, which I'm sure was very interesting. <laughs> it's great. I We had a pop quiz at the end of class and I told God, God, I spoke the truth. So can you give me the answers to this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure that's exactly how that works. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us and thank you, Teresa, again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Raising Up Cops is a production of Coptic Dad and Mom. This podcast is hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lawindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Orthodox Church or its hierarchy. These are our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, you can reach us at raisingupcops at gmail.com.